This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Want to know what's going on in your neck of the woods and learn the history and the people behind the events that you love across the state? Get to know the real Mississippi. Check out MPB Think Radio's Next Stop Mississippi podcast on all platforms or on the MPB public media app. Welcome to AutoCorrect, helping you correct your auto problems. Our host is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Hello, Coach Charlie. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm doing good today. You know what word I'm trying to get out today? You are trying to get that word out, data. Data, data? Data, data, you know, some people potato, call it. Potato, potato. That's it. <laughs> It's what's, what is ever easier for you to pronounce. Data, data. But when I say it like, okay, today we're talking about online vehicle data tools. Oh, it came out. It did. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Abram, from the, for the applause back there. <laughs> but that is what we're talking about. You could call it data. You could call it data. You can call it data. But either way, there's some tools online that we'll be discussing today. We're talking about information for <laughs> online searches. Right, information That's for it. online searches. And if you hear me mess that up again in the future, just know it's between data and data, and I don't know which one I want at That's the right. minute. That's right. Um, but yeah, we'll be talking about that today. Our email address for questions is auto at mpbonline.org. Here it goes, Coach. What is vehicle collection data? All right. The vehicle collection data solutions can help companies collect, transform and transfer vehicle data to the cloud in near real time or while optimizing costs. Now, as a result, data driven analytics, analytics (laughs) and machine learning helps companies build innovative applications that improve vehicle quality, safety and autonomy. That was a lot of words. That was a lot of words, but it it tells us that, first of all, these companies are collecting information about the vehicle to be able to give them back to the consumers. Right. So let's put it that way. That's a very easy way of putting it, that they are collecting data. If it's from a manufacturer, is it from a uh, insurance companies, if it's from mm-hmm. the body shop, mm-hmm. uh, if it's from the government, they are collecting data that should help the consumer decide what type of vehicle they want and should they buy it. Okay. I'm going to play Big Brother right now. With the data that they collect, do you is the collection always, um, I guess, known that you're getting this data collected on your vehicle or is some of this collection happening under the covers? Well, a lot of this data is most people do not know that this data is being collected because, like I say, the insurance company – Sends it to a database in order to tell consumers, but yet a lot of this information is not known. Right. So I had to ask the question, well, who owns the car data? Data. I'm doing it again, coach. But car manufacturers, um, also known as the OEMs, are directly responsible for and the control of collection of most of the vehicle data used to sell the maintenance and emergency roadside assistance and other driver convenience services. So what they do, they collect the data, then they send it out to other companies, other sponsors mm-hmm. of, like you say, repair shops. And really, if you're looking for a used vehicle or you're looking for a new vehicle, then you can decide. You can go to these different sites and look at them mm-hmm. and see what they have on these sites. Now, I'm going to tell you right off, right. these sites may not be accurate. Right. They may be telling you something that's not completely true, but it's out there. And so just because you get a 
show me the Carfax. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think of the Fox, show me the Carfax. Mm-hmm. Just because you're getting a Carfax does not mean that that data is completely true. Right. And I want everybody to know out there, we have no affiliation to these data websites. None of them. them. No no MPB, no Coach Charlie affiliation, no affiliation to these websites like Carfax. But um, yeah, so Carfax is one of those. And then the use of the data, usually, like I was saying before, um, this can help vehicle companies make informed decisions related to safety, convenience, uh, sustainability, um, and also it helps city planners understand traffic traffic patterns and make decisions about road design and construction to improve safety and reduce congestion. So literally, it's kind of an all around. It's all around apps they use. And you get to think about it, insurance companies. And I'm going to just say one I know is Progressive. They used a part that they could put in your data, your DTC mm-hmm. on your uh, computer. Mm-hmm. And what they would do, they snap it in, was called the snap, uh, something snap thing. And they'd snap it in. Really what it's going into is the DLC, your data collection port. And what it does, it goes in there. It reads how you drive that car mm-hmm. and it sends it to the insurance company. Now the insurance company may not give you the rate that you wanted because they know how you drive. And they know how far you drive. They know uh, when you drive and where you're going. That's another thing. They know exactly where that vehicle is going. And now they may not insure you because of the data that you they get out of your car. Well, I feel like maybe they had rose my rate because of my, my speed. <laughs> and like I say, uh, everything is electronic and you got all this AI coming out there and it is affecting everything that we do, especially our cars. I heard the other day and this is, uh, is that there's some uh, company in, uh, I think it had to do with Kia <laughs> again, uh, are making or de- trying to develop fly-in taxis. Supposed to be at some point in 2028. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Flying taxi cabs. Now, I, I think the FAA is going to get involved in that, I'm sure. Meet George Jetson. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. <laughs> that is it. Hey, Coach, that, that mechanism you were saying, is that kind of like a black box that would be on a plane? Like kind of the same idea? Well, where no. Where they get that info from it? Every car has a black box. Okay. People don't know that everything that you do, that car, every how many times you stop, how many, how hard you stop, goes into a computer. Mm-hmm. And when you're in a severe accident, I will tell you about the accident that they had over here on Can um, Can Road that killed two doctors several years ago. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that the Mercedes that was being driven. They said it was going 100 miles an hour. Mm. What they did, they took the black box, had it analyzed, and said that she didn't break. All that was in that computer. Okay. And so every vehicle that has computer systems on it has has a black black box. box. They have the black box. This is so interesting, and we're going to get more into it. We're going to hit our phone lines right now. We've got Joseph on the line calling from New Albany. He has a check engine light comment. Joseph, you are on with Coach Charlie. How are y'all doing this morning? Doing good. Doing great. I've got a Kia 2006 and the check engine light came on about 30,000 miles ago. I took it to the Kia dealership. And they said the camshaft valve position indicator sensor needed to be replaced. There were two of them, and they replaced them, took it down the road, and came back on. Take it back to the dealership. They said I needed a new engine. But this, been, this has been like 30,000 miles ago. It, it's still running, but the check engine light stays on. Okay, 
Well, let me explain to you. Those check engine lights, those check engine lights are used in a vehicle to control, I would say, more of the emissions is what it, they're doing. Okay. And the reason why it came on when it said that the camshaft was out of collation, that's really what it was. That means that the camshaft, the valves were not opening exactly when the engine, when the manufacturer thought they should and how they set it up in the computer. And so that's what it read, that the valves were not opening correctly. Okay. So that means that the camshaft was not in the correct position. Now, once again, you say it's been on for how long? Uh, 30,000 miles. 30,000, 3,000 or 30,000? 30, 30. Well, if it's been on for 30,000 miles and you have no problem, drive that vehicle. <laughs> okay. You know, and what I would do, I would call the, uh, was it under warranty when you took it to the Kia dealer? Uh, no. Okay. Cause I'm going to say you could call the consumer uh, customer department and, and talk to them about this. And, but like I say, you wouldn't need a new engine anyway, because really, that's a, is it a four cylinder or a six cylinder? Uh, six. Okay, so it has one on each head. So really, the, the only thing they would do is replace the, either the head or the camshaft because that's all that's wrong with it. Okay, okay. But um, I would drive so, it until it falls apart. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, we appreciate you. you, Joseph. Thank you so much. What'd you say, Coach? He'd have made it past that point. If he's made it to 30,000 miles and it ain't messed up, just keep, keep it on moving. <laughs> keep it moving. Because he just paid for two camshaft sensors, yeah. and that didn't fix it. And usually both camshaft sensors don't go out on the same time okay. because one is completely independent of the other. Okay. Okay. Well, good good advice, Coach. We're going to stay on the line. We've got Ann calling from West Tennessee. She's got a question about an older truck rear view mirror replacement. Ann, you're on with Coach Charlie. Well, good morning, you guys. Good morning. Um, this will be easy for coach. Um, we have a 1998 Isuzu Ombre, and um, the rear view mirror has fallen off twice. I mean, it's fallen off like once years ago and then one time more recently. So, you know, now we want to put it back up, but there's a residue on the inside of the windshield from the glue adhesive or whatever. So we want to get that off carefully without scratching or compromising the window glass. And and then we want to know if you please the best adhesive to um to put it back on with. Okay, is it put it's put uh-huh. on it has just a little metal piece that goes on the windshield? That, yeah. that glues to the windshield. Okay, first of all, you can just take a razor blade, a little uh, flat razor blade, and you will not scratch the window. You can take that adhesive off, that glue that's already on there. Just scrape it off. Clean it real good with Windex or alcohol where you remove the glue. And then go to the uh-huh. uh, auto parts store, and they make an adhesive, windshield adhesive. And it's a two-part, uh, you snap a little tube, and the catalyst comes together. You rub it on the windshield, and you put the glue on the uh, piece of metal. And you stick it on there, and you hold it for about 30 seconds to a minute, and then you can put your windshield, your mirror back on. Oh, wow. And I'm sure it will come with all these instructions. It will, it will come with all those instructions. It's like a $7 fix. Now, that's the right answer. <laughs> well, that's not what you're looking for. <laughs> razor blade. I got a free razor blade, too, because I have razor blade. So, okay. Thank you, Coach. You guys are amazing. No, thank you, you. Ann. You're amazing, too. We love our callers. And then $7 fix. Who doesn't love that? That's right. Right. (laughs) 
If you've got a question, you can send your emails to auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about online vehicle data tools. And is your car under recall? I'll tell you how you can find out next. You're listening to AutoCorrect with Coach Charlie Melton. I'm Jermaine Flood. If you want even more AutoCorrect, you can find our podcast on all podcast platforms for your smart device. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with a replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Well, here is a recent recall. Um, In August, Nissan expanded a serious recall of its Sentra sedan to include more than 236,000 examples. This time around, the automaker is recalling more than 153,300 examples of both the Sentra and its larger Altima sedan sibling over a different issue, a rear view camera image that may not display. They they just don't want to, them cameras, boy, coach. It's that, it's that software. Those cameras, coach. And look, my my camera has a dimmer on it. For some reason, I see clearer <clears throat> with it dimmed down. Then it dimmed up. Right. Um, but effective vehicles for this include model year 2019 to 21 Altimas and 2020 to 21 Sentras. The issue stems from damage to the camera's harness, which can impact the quality of the image or cause a total loss of it, increasing the risk of a crash. To fix the issue, dealers are inspecting the rearview camera and harness, replacing them as necessary for free. If no damage is found, the dealer will apply protective tape and reroute the harness. Nissan will begin notifying owners October 19th, but those with further questions can contact the automaker. Coach, you know I smile when I say well, you know, the word tape. <laughs> well, you know if all else fails, you can learn how to use the rear view mirror and the side mirrors. <laughs> that you, that's that backup system that's you're right. talking That's right. That's that backup system. And tape fixes everything. everything. <laughs> and what they say about duct tape? Yes, it fixes everything. (laughs) That is too funny. Anytime I hear tape, I just smile. You can find out if your car is a past recall by going to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration's website, nhtsa.gov forward slash recalls and inputting your VIN, or you can find their Safer Car app. Today, though, we're talking about online vehicle data tools, data tools, and we're also taking your vehicle repair questions. Our email address is auto at mpbonline.org. If you've got a question for Coach Charlie. Coach, let's get back to the subject at hand with the online vehicle data tools. I want to know about what you taught when you were talking about one snapshot. Start there. Tell me what snapshot is. It takes a snapshot of everything in your car. You know, we talked about the black box, but it takes a snapshot from the computer and sends it to different places sends that information. Okay. You know, how would you think that a insurance company would get to know how far you drive, when you drive, if they didn't have some way to get that information? Right. So you put that snapshot in that DLC, you take it back out when they tell you to send it to them, and you send them that snapshot, and they analyze it. Mm. And they get all that data out of it. That's how they decide how much your insurance is going to cost you. So is this maybe a requirement for certain insurance companies? For certain insurance companies, that is a requirement. Wow. Wow. I could just guess which one it was, but wow. And then, you know, even now uh, they can download things from the computer now in your system. Just say if you take your vehicle into a manufacturer, that manufacturer, that dealership can unload everything in that computer. Yeah. And then you were telling me about 
the storage of the service maintenance records. Well, you know, when we talk about Carfax and we talk about history of the vehicle, we, we won't use Carfax again. We'll just use the history of the vehicle. Okay. In order to get the history of the vehicle, first of all, a lot of people just say, well, you see a car here and you can get the information. Usually they think it's just like uh, if you're in a collision or an accident. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can get maintenance records if the vehicle was serviced at a dealership. Okay. If it was serviced at a dealership, they're supposed to report the what information. What was going on. What was going on. If it had a bad engine, a bad transmission, or how many times it's come in for an oil change, it's supposed to report all of that. Mm-hmm. But once again, when we first started, the report is only as good as the one that is reporting the information. Right. If the information does not get reported, it would not be on that history report. Right. Again, like you were saying, that's the dealership maintenance. Right. So, of course, they're going to go into the system and put all of that in. But if you take it to anywhere else or if someone else took it to anywhere else, you won't be getting that information in that report. Right. Because if you notice, when you go to the dealership, the first thing they do, they take that VIN number. They get that VIN number off that vehicle. They know who that car belongs to, when it was bought, how much service was done to it, when the service was done. Right. Right, right. And so they report it. To get that info, you need VIN number and tag if you, you can, were going online? Well, you could do it with a tag. You don't even have to put the VIN number in. You could either do it with the VIN number or you can just take your license plate number and put it in. And it'll show you all of this. It will show you all this. Wow. Now, once again, it comes at a price. Some of these uh, subscriptions, I mean, some of these are like 25 to $40 per vehicle. And they're even cheaper if you get a subscription, but... 25 to $40 yeah. either could help you That's or it saying. may deter you. That's what I'm saying. They also have some that are maybe nine ninety nine, but who would trust nine ninety nine versus $40? I don't know. You're not going to get all the information. Okay. And, and now if you think about information we're talking about, uh, how about a flood vehicle? Okay, when we have hurricanes and we have <sighs> the storms and all, tornadoes and all, a lot of rain comes and these mm-hmm. vehicles get flooded. Mm-hmm. Well, a flooded vehicle, the computers can go bad. There's a lot of electronics that go bad. Well, a lot of people buy those vehicles and they refix them, they redo them, and they sell them. So yeah. you need to make sure that you don't even know the, if the title is searched because once these once again this history report they search the titles to make sure that the title is not a flood vehicle. Right. How about the airbag? If an airbag is deployed on 90% of the vehicles, they total the vehicle. That means that the t- vehicle is a total loss because it costs more to put an airbag in it, especially a Takata airbag, you know. Yeah. You know, because they keep recalling. That's a high class, Takata. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, uh, it does. Uh, the airbags cost a lot of money to put in your vehicle, and they total the vehicle. Well, that's once again, the vehicle turns into a salvage vehicle. Right. And they'll give you a title. But it will say salvage on that title. And once again, that's where these history searches come in. at. Right. That's where they come in. So there are free places like NHTSA.gov, but it would only have so much information as well. Right. Um, They also have uh, NICB.org, which is the National Insurance Crime Bureau. um, And that only tells if the vehicle was ever stolen. So you can get that information, too. Um, from there. So there's a couple of freeze, but the freeze probably only have limited info. Right. If you think about what type of information do you want, how about the speedometer or the odometer being rolled back? Okay. Okay. If you have an odometer that had uh, 250,000 miles on it and you're trying to sell that vehicle, what makes it where you can't take that cluster out, send it off, have a program put in it, and they roll it back, back. 100,000 miles? Now you only got a 100,000 mile vehicle. 
you're going to get more money on that. Yeah. So that's another thing. These people that roll back these uh, computers and roll back all this stuff should be reporting all that so it is accurate. Yeah, man. Roll back your, your miles. It was a stolen car. You never know. So you really do kind of want to go through some of these checks. Um, if you can, to look up some of this info. Well, you think about multi, multiple owners of a vehicle. We, a lot of people say, well, it's a one-owner vehicle. We took it. All she did, she drove it three miles back and forth to church, and that's the only time it was used. Right. Well, it has 150,000 miles on it, and she drove three miles, and she's 80. <laughs> so that means that vehicle had multiple owners at that time. Right. So once again, the uh, history report will tell you who owned the vehicles. And you can do that at the courthouse as well, but you can see how many times that vehicle was sold to somebody else. Okay. Structural okay. damage. Yeah. You know, what if you were in a wreck and you bent the frame on one that had a frame or you uh, messed up the unibody? It'll show all of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's some good info to have and to know right. when before you purchase the car or even after you purchase the car because you don't want to be riding in a lemon. Well, that's another thing. When you start talking about lemon vehicles, okay, and then every manufacturer has a way that lemon vehicles will be taken care of. When we talk about a lemon vehicle, you know, lemons are sour, so yeah. it gives you a, t- a sour taste in your mouth <laughs> right. when you're driving that car. Right. Well, as <laughs> every manufacturer has a way that they will uh, go to arbitration and they will buy that vehicle back from you. Okay. Okay. Coach, we're going to hit the phone lines, but you know, I want to know more about certified tech checks. Also, um, other information that needs to be included in these reports. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but let's hit the phones. We've got Richard and Natchez on the line. He's got a 2007 Mercury that he can't get in drive and reverse. Oh, Richard, you're on with Coach Charlie. Oh, good. Oh, thank you, Coach Charlie. I love y'all's program. Uh, it's a wonderful car. Uh, but a while back, uh, when I, especially in the morning, when I went to put it in gear, I had to press on the gas, I mean the brake pedal several times to get it to go into gear. And uh, the longer this program has, has gone on, the more times I've got to pump the brake pedal to get it to come into gear. I have no problem driving around town. It's a great car. I love it. But is it a vacuum line or is it a switch? Because uh, it seems to be getting worse. Well, let me explain to you how these um, – the when you bre- press that brake pedal, that brake pedal has a little bitty piece of plastic in that brake pedal. It, sometimes it's plastic. Most of the time it's – and what happens, it has a little slot it goes in. If you're not hitting that piece of plastic where the brake pedal – light comes on, it will not come out of gear. It will not mm-hmm. go and drive. It will not go in uh, uh, reverse. You cannot move the shifter whatsoever. Okay. What I would do when somebody, when you're in there, have somebody go look at the brake lights and see if the brake lights are coming on when you push that brake pedal. The first the time you do it. On the vehicle. The brake lights are coming on. They come on every time? Yes, sir. Okay, so what I would do is that switch, it has a switch because that switch itself has to tell the transmission that that uh, brake lights are on. So what I would do is most likely that switch, that's right, you have a brake light switch and you have another switch right above that brake pedal. And that is probably the problem. Uh, okay, so it's, it's a switch. Is it located in the cabin or on the firewall? No, it's going to be underneath the dash, right there on the brake pedal, right at the end of the brake pedal. Oh, at the, at the, at the top end of the brake pedal? Right. 
and you'll see where the brake pedal itself, you'll see a switch on it, and every time you push it, you'll see the little button go in and out. When you push that button, that tells the transmission, hey, I got brake lights, I can go. Mm. And so most likely it's just not reading that uh, uh, switch. Okay, so maybe the switch is in off or bad. Right. That's what it sounds uh, like to me. Okay, sir. Is that an expensive repair or should it be a pretty quick fix? A uh, pretty quick fix, about $35, $40 for the switch, maybe a little less. Okay, sir. Well, look, I appreciate it. I'm going to get it to the shop. And, again, I love y'all's program. I thank you for taking my call. Thank you so Richard, much. Richard, thank you. Coach, you didn't fix two cars for under $50. That's true. <laughs> But it's according to how much that shop charges him for that switch. For putting it in. And but, for putting it in. But the, the, the actual piece and the parts, right. $50 or less today. That's right. I'm counting them up. We've got Gwen on the line in Holly Springs. Gwen's got a question about gas mileage. Gwen, you're on with Coach Charlie. Hey, y'all. Listen, um, I do. I regulate my uh, speed by what my um, miles per hour says. I try to keep it over 40, but I can't always... And I'm wondering, if, is that a good thing to do, or uh, is that hurting the motor, or is it saving gas or not? You're trying to do what now? You're trying to regulate your miles per gallon for your gas? What do you mean you keep it at 40? Well, I don't keep it at 40, but, you know, um, when I'm going uphill, I let it go down into 35, and then when I'm going downhill, you know, it's up to 99. And I just wondered, um, is that a good thing to do or not? Okay, so what what I see, you're looking at the... Uh, where the how much fuel you're using at the time right. is what you're doing. Right. So as you're looking at the fuel, how much is being used at the time, less fuel that you're using, less that pedal is pressed, less fuel you're using. Every time you go up a hill, you say it goes up to about 99. Well, that's using as much fuel as it can go until it gets up that hill. Now, okay. that's when I'm going down a hill. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's 99. So, so when you're going up a hill, it's the opposite, and it's using as much fuel as it can. Okay, to get up that hill. When you coast again, when you're going back down the hill, the load's not on the engine. Less yeah. less load, better fuel economy. Right. Gwen, well, when you is go... that a good thing to do, or should I be watching uh, RPM? Well, there's really nothing you can do about that, because you've got to go up the hill, and the RPMs will go up a little bit. There's really nothing you can do. That's just normal driving. Yeah, especially up a hill. Gwen, when right. you come down the hill, are you, you is your foot still on the gas pedal, or are you coasting? No, I'm usually coasting. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So there's really nothing you can do about that. Uh, the engine wants to stay steady. If, if you can keep that engine at a steady RPM or a steady uh, speed, that's the best. Mm-hmm. 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 And for some better reason, anything under 60, no. <laughs> yeah, anything under 60, you'll get better gas mileage. Right. <laughs> yes. But yes. The you, RPM steady is better than doing it the way I'm doing it? Uh, yes, I am. Mm-hmm. The RPMs okay. need to be steady because every time you put that accelerator on again, those RPMs go way up, cost more gas to get up there. Right. Okay. Thanks a bunch. So welcome. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you so much. I've always looked at that, too. I'm like, ooh, take my foot off the gas. Look at that. Look at that. Right. Look get at a those more miles per gallon go right. up. Let's see how far we can move with no gas with at no all. Ga- hey, you're going straight down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we see you, Craig, on the line. Also, I see you, Shelly. Our email address where you can send questions is auto at mpbonline.org. We're talking about online vehicle data tools. Data tools. I mean, get it out between your car repair questions. What's in the news? What the UAW strike may mean to the state and the strike itself. I'll tell you more next. Thank you for listening to AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Coach Charlie Melton, retired instructor from Clinton High School's Automotive Technology Program, is our 
our expert host. I'm Jermaine Flood. I hope you've downloaded our app for your smartphone, the MPB Public Media app. In addition to listening to the show on the app, you can click on the support button and make a contribution. And contributions help keep our programs on the air for you and others to enjoy. And we thank you so much for your contribution to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Autocorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Let's touch on touch on some news real quick, Coach, before we get back to the phone lines. We've got Craig and Shelley on hold. But what the UAW strike could mean to the state and basically what the UAW strike is. So everybody's seen it. Everybody's seen it. All right. The strike is an ongoing labor strike involving automobile workers in the labor union. That's the United Auto Workers. That's the UAW. And the three unionized automakers in the United States, Ford Motor Company, General Motors, and Stellantis. And the three automaker factories combined employ about 145,000 members and produce about 50% of the vehicles manufactured annually in the U.S. Now, the strike began September 15th when the union was unable to reach a deal with the three automakers, and it's the first trilateral strike against the three automakers in the union's history. Coach, you've been following some of this. I have been following some of this, and I was thinking, you know, a union uh, automaker, they want the uh, average pay to be $82,000 a year mm-hmm. for, they no longer, let me put this, they no longer manufacture vehicles in the United States. They assemble vehicles in the United States. Got it. So there's no longer manufacturing. There is assembly vehicles. I was looking at how many of American parts are on these vehicles. 53% are on Ford's vehicles. Chevrolet is like 38% mm-hmm. of American parts. So all they're doing is getting parts shipped in, putting them on the vehicle. $82,000. Nissan over here, the average worker is either 17 to $24 an hour. Right. They won't, they're nowhere. They did, they dropped the union. They were not going to go unionize. If you look at it, and I was thinking some of the stuff why they're on the strike, one of the main reasons they're on strike as well is that we're going to electric vehicles. Right. So by going to electric vehicles, one of their reasons was is that they want to make sure that they're on board mm-hmm. because it doesn't take as many people to produce electric vehicles and Ford Stellas and GM are thinking about going more automated. So if they go automated, that means they're going to be less physical bodies in the plant. Right, right. And they want to make sure they're on board, that they're going to keep the same amount of people in the plant. New employees, they want a, they want a defined pension. Mm-hmm. A defined pension is a pension that you put into no matter how much you put in it. You're going to get the money the rest of your life. Not every most companies did away with defined pensions because it is unsustainable mm-hmm. to big companies. They'll go bankrupt. Okay, and this is what the Ford and the Dodge and all of them are talking about. Well, I think everybody should get a good wage. I think everybody should be in there, and I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. against the union. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody should get a good wage. You know, and my philosophy is, who owns the company? They should make in the making the brunt of the money. Right. That's just me. Right. You know, it's not, right. you know, if I owned a company, believe me, I'd want to make most of the brunt money. Brunt of the money, yeah. Because I'm putting my money up. Right. You know, but, you know, they they have a right to strike. You know, uh, Mississippi is a right to work state. Mm-hmm. So, 
we don't really have those problems down here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the, I do see where they did talk about electric vehicles and the claims of competitiveness there. So they need um, the transition to building electric vehicles to meet government regulations and to remain competitive. That transition will require reinvesting billions of dollars um, of their profits. And Ford stated that for 2023, it would lose $4.5 billion in its EV business. So EV is kind of all wrapped up into this. Um, and then how it would maybe affect the state here, it could actually have an effect on what vehicles are offered here. Well, the price is going to go up and that, you know, there will be more Hondas, more Nissans, more Toyotas here. It won't be Ford, Chevrolet and Jeep because what's going to happen if they're not making the vehicles when we had, you know, during the pandemic, the vehicles were so expensive. Right. And then they started to come down. Now, if the strike goes on for a while, those type of vehicles will go back up. And we'll be waiting on them again. Right. Because literally, they say right now, Mississippi is working with 50 to 60 percent of the inventory that they would like to have. But that number has literally been going up in recent months as supply chain issues have um, been resolved. Yeah, been resolved. So, Well, like I say, any, if whatever, like I say, I hope they get it taken care of. And like I say, everybody needs to get paid what they think they need to get paid. And if you're a union or a non-union worker, that's up to your uh, employer and you. Yeah, my granddaddy used to work for Chevrolet, so. Well, my dad worked for Yellow Freight, and he was a union worker. Was he? And I got friends that are union workers, you know. Everybody does. got their own way of looking at it. That's right. That's right. Let's hit the phone lines. We've got Craig in Grenada. He's on the line. He's got a four-check engine light question, Coach. Craig, you're on with Coach Charlie. Thank you all so much for taking my call. Thanks for holding, Craig. I want to know the difference why an engine light stays on all the time or intermittently. I got an F. 150 2018 Ford that uh, stays on about a week or two at a time, and it'll go off for three or four days, and then come back on. Well, initially, I take it into the Ford place for a different item for a recall, and they noticed the engine light and put the machine on it and said the catalytic converters were bad. So uh, my question was, what is the difference why it stays on all the time uh, or intermittently? Okay, on yes, on check engine lights you have soft codes and you have uh, hard codes. Okay, soft code is one of these codes that come on and uh, it'll stay on, and after so many turns of the key, it'll go off. Okay, usually about thirty or forty turns of the key, it'll go off. Okay, okay. when it comes back on, it'll stay on three or four days. Once again, like you say. Because you're turning the key, you're not counting how many times you're turning that key. Uh-uh. So as the key, as it reads, how many times that key is turned, it'll go off again. If it's a hard code, it will stay on constantly, no matter how many times you turn the key. Okay. okay. If, if it's a mission problem, if it's a misfire, something like that, that will go on. That those will stay on. But if it's a soft code that just comes on, and then you can reset it. Now they do have monitoring systems on these vehicles that monitor only on a certain time, and it's called a drive time. Okay, a drive interval. The vehicle may have to go up to 40 miles an hour for 10 minutes and 20 miles an hour for five minutes. Um, you know, at idle, get a certain temperature. Those are where are just monitors and they don't even they don't work all the time. And that is one of okay. those. That's one of those. I think you're talking EVAMP does that. A uh, catalytic converter does that. So some of these monitors come on when they get ready to do it. Okay. You don't even know they're coming on because you went through a drive cycle. Okay. So it's really not anything. 
anything really to worry about. No, a lot of times the catalytic converter, you understand what the catalytic converter is. A catalytic converter is a filter. Okay, that's yes, that's what it is. If your car starts running sluggish, because once again, we used to think that the uh, we the muffler was stopped up. Remember, I don't know if you remember those old days. You used to think that. I had that problem. Okay. Okay, so the muffler was stopped up. Well, this is the same thing with a catalytic converter. It gets contaminated and it stops up, but I would have it rechecked just to make sure that it is right. You know, what people used to do, and this is not what you do. What people used to do is just ride out the catalytic converter and keep on going. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one one other question was, I think the Ford has an eight-year emission warranty on it. Is that correct? Eight-year emission, yeah, that is for the catalytic converter. So and I, any emission-related, when I talk about emission-related, that is like the oxygen sensors, anything that does the EVAMP, all of that, you need to just get into your book and see what's emission-related, and it does have okay. an eight-year. Coach, I appreciate your call. Thank you all so much for yes, taking sir. my call. Appreciate you, you, Craig. We're going to stay on the phone lines. We've got Shelly in Gulfport on the line. Shelly has an emergency spare tire question. Shelly, you're on with Coach Charlie. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a new vehicle that I purchased, a 2023, that did not come with the spare tire. You know, the emergency spare, it actually came with the sealant pump combination. I would feel more comfortable having an emergency spare tire. Um, and I was just looking for suggestions on how you, I could go about accomplishing that. Well, I've had that same problem mm-hmm. with a new vehicle as well, and it cost me about uh, $1,500 because I didn't have a spare tire because of that reason. It was brand new. But this is how I was solving that problem. When I got back to town, I went to the dealership and told them that they didn't tell me it didn't have a spare tire mm-hmm. and that I want a spare tire. Okay, so the dealership was ordering me a spare tire to put in that vehicle. Okay, now the problem is they made the car smaller so they don't have a place for a spare tire. So then you had to figure out how you're going to do that. You know, I was even to the point that I was going to carry the spare tire in the back of the vehicle because I was not going to spend $1,500 in a night in a hotel because I didn't, I had a flat. Yeah. Right. So what I would do is see, go to the dealership, see if they can order you a spare tire, or maybe even go to a salvage yard and look at that model, research that make and model, and see if you can get a spare tire out of the junkyard. Ooh. <clears throat> I, I didn't know that was going on nowadays, Coach. Oh, yeah. They put, uh, they put air pumps and seal it. Oh. Fix a flat. Tape. Yes. Shelly, did that help you any? Um, yes, it did very much so, and I appreciate it. We've, I've looked. I've done some searching. I'll say online, but it's getting so technical for for me mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. say. You know, a particular one is talking about a hub ring. Yeah, the dealership can help you with that to see exactly what type of tire that they put in there. They did a small, uh, I know Mercedes and all of them put a smaller tire in there, a lot of compact tires, so you may be able to find one. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Shelly. That's new for me, Coach. That is new for me. I will never buy another vehicle if it doesn't have a spare tire. And I won't buy one without one either now. That's right. Bob, we see you on the line. Hold on one second. We're discussing online vehicle data tools and taking your repair questions. You can send us an email to auto at mpbonline.org. We've got a new car review from Casey Williams coming up and Coach's Tip of the Week. This is AutoCorrect on MPB Think Radio. Here's a new car review from Casey Williams. It's Auto Casey on AutoCorrect. I'm the kind of guy who likes luxury. 
but I don't feel a need to shadow with a glitzy brand, which is probably why I like the 2024 Buick Enclave Avenir I'm driving this week. This is their big three-row crossover, seven-seat in capacity. And the Avenir brand, that's their luxury sub-brand, so it's kind of like GMC's Denali. So it's just a little bit nicer. And on the interior, you got softer leather seats. You've got heated and ventilated front seats with massagers. You've got heated rear seats, Bose audio system, and the full suite of crash avoidance systems, including heads-up display. Underneath the hood, a 3.6-liter V6, delivers 310 horsepower. Still get pretty good gas mileage for a big crossover. 70 miles per gallon in the city and 25 on the highway. Underneath the body, and this is what I really like about it, it has an adaptive suspension system, so you can set it for touring mode, it's very comfortable on the highway, or put it in sport mode if you want to play. But this thing does come with a luxury price. It starts under $45,000, as equipped, $62,095. See the full video on his YouTube channel, Auto Casey, and listen to AutoCorrect on the MPB Think Radio YouTube channel. This is AutoCorrect. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show from autocorrect.mpbonline.org. AutoCorrect is heard on MPB Think Radio Thursdays at 10 a.m. with the replay Saturdays at 11 a.m. Stay tuned after the show. It's Southern Remedy Kids and Teens at 11 a.m. with Dr. Morgan McLeod. I'm Jermaine Flood, and our expert is Coach Charlie Melton, ASC Certified Master Technician, and it's time for Coach Charlie's tip of the week. You know, we've been talking about data, the research on the uh, computer to see if you're going to buy this certain car, you want to know about this car. Make sure that you do your research, check more than one uh, website, and then after you get all that data and everything's in your head, get you a certified technician to look at that car before you buy it because paperwork can never do what eyes can do. Right, you're right. And if you can call, if you got Coach Charlie's number, that's certified tech enough. That's no. good. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to the phone lines. We've got Bob in Hattiesburg. He can't find the electrical drain, Coach. He needs your help. Bob, you're on with Coach Charlie. Good morning, Jermaine and Bob. Good and morning. Coach. <laughs> uh, yes, you are Bob and I am Coach. <laughs> yeah. I've got an odd problem with a 2008 Mazda Miata that's only got 60,000 miles on it. I drive it about once a week. It's a great car, runs perfectly, but if you let it sit for a week to 10 days, the battery goes dead. And you dump it, and it'll drive and charge it, and it'll it'll revive itself. And after a while, the battery just dies. Every, but every three years, I have to put a new battery in it. There's some mystery drain inside the car that's draining that battery with every all systems off. And I, I don't know how to go about finding it. What I've done in the interim is just put one of those screw switches on the battery terminal that disconnects it. And that usually works, but that's an inconvenience. How would you go about finding a mystery battery drain? First of all, you got to think about what what can drain the batteries that you can't see what can drain the battery. The first thing is going to be your glove box. Okay, open the glove box. Take the bulb out of it because the light may be on and you don't notice it because it's supposed to be off when you close the glove box. When you open it, it comes on. Okay, that's a lot of times people see that. Or maybe the alternator may be having a peristatic draw as it's just sitting there. Okay, and if there's something wrong with the alternator, what I would do, I would go about pulling fuses. Say if you got the glove box fuse, it's probably with it a couple others, pull that fuse, leave it out. Okay, and you can put a tester on that battery, and as you pull it, you'll see the voltage move. Okay, you'll put it back in, the voltage will come back on if something's wrong. Now, that's that's a lot of times how the dealer finds them now, is that they go in, they test every fuse to find out where 
the drain may be coming from. If it's a star system, the the charging system, but you just have to pull those fuses, put you a meter on there, and see what the voltage is doing. Okay, so this is a problem that is not uncommon. It does happen to people. Oh, it happens all the time. You know, uh, it happens all the time. And, you know, people say, well, maybe the door wasn't closed or maybe the trunk wasn't closed. That's another place in the trunk. Yeah. A lot of times you can't see that light, but guess what? The switch goes bad, the light stays on, now it drains your battery. And and like I say, it takes a while to drain the battery on some of these things. You know, so what I would do is pull the fuse one at a time or even take the bulb out of the trunk or the uh, uh, glove box just to see if one of those are draining. Now you should be able to tell if they're warm if you open them up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if they're on, if they've been on for a while, you'll know they're hot. Okay, I'll start with that. But the main thing is, is to start pulling fuses and, and yeah, and, uh, that's the easy see, thing. See what stops the drain, right? And what what is the worst case scenario? Something like this, <laughs> what it be causing? Like a the alternator, alternator or starter. All right. Starter. Yes. All right. All right, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Bob. That'll wrap us up for today's autocorrect. Show engineer, Abram Nanny. Call screener, the new intern. We're going to call him that for right now, and then I'm going to get his name. We don't even have his name. We just say the intern. He's awesome, though. That's right. And we're going to introduce him next week. That'll wrap us up. For Coach Charlie Master, Master Melton Technician. For Coach Charlie Melton. Master Technician. I'm Jermaine Flood. Can't get right. Thanks for listening to Autocorrect on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.